trust that we sing that songs of prayer. And each one with desire that in our hearts. We need to be a service today. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, we'll be reading a portion of that chapter. Can someone tell me quickly what that chapter is often referred to as? Good students. I love capture. These gentlemen, I appreciated their sharing with us today off the Nanaka Palette. Instrumental music. They, they sang or played a song that was on my heart all week as I was going over this message Love at Home. That's the title of the song. How many remember Elizabeth Elliott? Lord, folks, she had a radio broadcast at this point. Doesn't come in the name of it, but this was the song that always introduced her share. And the first verse says, "There's beauty all around when there's love at home. There's joy in every sound when there's love at home. Peace and plenty here abide, smiling sweetly on every side." Time to softly, sweetly guide when there's love at home. In a cottage there's joy when there's love at home. Hatred and envy near and boy when there's love at home. Roses bloom beneath our feet, all the earth's a garden sweet, making life a bliss complete when there's love at home. Well, let's read the word here that Paul has given to us, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning to read verse 1. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have not faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray that now the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and challenge us to be Christ-like in the home. In your precious and worthy name we pray. Amen. As I begin today, I want to share a brief story of a man whose life was changed dramatically by God's love. His name was Bud Robinson, or was uh, finally referred to as Uncle Bud. Now, down in the science class this morning, it was mentioned, and a lot had never heard of this man. Well, that is because he died in 1942. 
But if you were the church of the Nazarene, you certainly would have known this fellow. He was born in Tennessee, one of 13 children. And when he was 16, his widowed mother moved to Texas. His constant companion was a pistol and a deck of cards. He worked on a farm and certainly was of the wild kind of town life. And they say among the Texas boys, he was called the tough one. Unlearned, poverty-stricken, stammering cowboy. Until the age of 20, he knelt at an altar in an old-fashioned tent meeting. That prayer changed his life forever. He was transformed. And remember, when he was converted, he could either read or write his own name. And the reason being, they were so poor that he went out to work just as a boy to help support the family, so he never had education. But someone gave him a Bible, and he went to Sunday school, and his Sunday school teacher said, buddy, I will work with you if you really want to learn to read. And so he began to work with his teacher and also reading the Bible as his textbook. He started in the beginning. Genesis and went verse by verse until God blessed his efforts and began to memorize scripture. Large portions of the scripture, although it was painfully slow at first, as we can imagine. But how he rejoiced when he came to Exodus and found that the law of God was reduced to ten commandments. And then when he finally reached the New Testament and came to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus summarized the law, he found that the Beatitudes were even easier to learn than the Ten Commandments. He'd often say this, I do not have all the theological background and understanding that many other men do. If I'm going to make heaven my home, the word will have to be made plain and simple for me to understand it. Then the day came when he came to the wonderful passages of Scripture where he read all the law and the prophets were summed up in just one idea. You know what that is? It's to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength in your neighbor as yourself. And again, he said, I may not understand all theology. I may not understand all the rules and regulations of the church. I will not be able to do a lot of things that other people do. But there's one thing I can learn to do perfectly, and that is to love everybody. And so it was Uncle Bud Robinson's life. He was a friend to everyone. Now, in the beginning, when he first was saved, he said that God called him to be a preacher. He fell asleep under a farm wagon one night, and the, his pillow was a stump. He said, God spoke to him clearly. I want you to be a preacher. Well, he had a, a heavy stutter. A lot of people said, oh, no, no. Uh, they tried to dissuade him of that idea. But he kept preaching, and the first year he had 300 that came to Christ. He found that, that he was doing the right thing. And so through Christian love, he developed into one of the most unique and useful preachers of his generation in the Church of the Nazarene. Thousands were converted in his lifetime. But he learned the abiding presence of love, as is described here in 1 Corinthians 13, called the love chapter. He loved this chapter. He learned to live right there. And when he passed away in 1942, 
He was 82 years old. This is what was said of him. An evangelist who claimed to preach 32,176 sermons and won over 200,000 converts, Reverend Reuben Uncle Buddy Robinson has passed away, the 13th child of a poor mountain family in White County, Tennessee, had an impediment of speech, could not write or spell his own name when he was converted at 20. But he overcame these handicaps to preach an average of 500 sermons a year to 72 different denominations in his 61 years on the sawdust trail and to write 10 books of which 500,000 copies were sold. That's quite a legacy that, and all the praise goes to God. Not always education that matters, but if the heart is right, God can use a person. Although I certainly am an avid person for education, gives you more tools to use. But God blessed this dear man and said everywhere he went, the church was filled full because he talked to the common person because that's what he was. I want to share this morning about the kind of home where love is real, where people are easy to live with. Now saying that, we certainly have to realize apparently there are some homes that are not like that. But there's no better testing ground, right, for love than right in the home. Uh, where you live. You know, you can smile all day, you can be nice to customers, and yet, sadly, some come home then are grumpy and mean. Home should be a place where we can relax and feel at ease. It should be a place where you feel safe and you feel secure. Like they say, you can let your hair down there. Your home. After a long day at work or school, it should be a place where you can feel love, you can feel warmth, you can feel acceptance. So let's notice some ways that love can be demonstrated universally. First of all, love is tough inside. Tough inside. Now all seven verses here in 1 Corinthians 13 are filled with tremendous truth. But today I want to narrow our scope down to verse 7. Now notice in the beginning of verse 7 that he says, love bears all things. If you're going to be a bear, be loving about it. That's possible. But love bears all things. It's patient. It's slow to become resentful. It has a persevering attitude. It's not rude. It doesn't behave itself disgracefully. In other words, I believe it means that love has the power to adjust to circumstances that surround you. Amen are all right. Anytime you feel like I can get Relationships of the home do change at times. For what a home was yesterday, it's not today, nor will it be tomorrow. Oh, I remember well when our children were just stair steps, you know, at home. But then the day came, the first one left. And then the second one went off to college. And then the third one left. And it was just mom and I. That empty nest syndrome wasn't the easiest. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but others you do. The homes change. And we change in successive stages of life. Children are changing all the time as they grow up. 
Uh, I was with someone just yesterday, and I said, my, how your children are growing up so fast. Those of you that have little ones, you'll find that to be true. Enjoy the days that they're home. But we as adults are also changing in our circumstances. And so I think we can easily all agree that home is a place where there's constant adjustments. People with rigid, unbending behaviors, they generally create tension and make it unpleasant for those around them. It's quick to destroy the practice of love in the home. For one of the capacities of love is its ability to adjust to ongoing change. I know I've said this when I was visiting with um, Anna Flory some weeks ago. She said she's realizing that there's one constant in life, and that is change. How true that is. The force which destroys love's operation in the home is not always hatred, but it could be anxiety, it could be fear, uncertainties. And so the home should not be a place where fear and suspicion and jealousy thrive. Rather, it should be where there's a practice of love made perfect, fear is cast out, along with judgmental attitudes. And so let's accept each other as we are, not how we wish the other person would be. In fact, so often we want to change the other person and in prayer the Lord begins to change us. Right? Let's move on. Love understands or works from trying to. There's a human tendency to put others under pressure by trying to control them. Problems arise when we don't allow other members of the Themselves. Afraid our children won't be perfect, so we oversupervise them. We make demands of them because we want to see them to be their very best and brightest, of course, that's a natural thing. But many times we're so strong on them and it's not out of love because of our pride and self centeredness that we make enormous demands. And as a result, I believe there's actually adults today that are still hindered by some of the things they went through as they grew up. Contrast to this is the home where love is expressed as mutual respect and understanding. I'm thankful that I came from a home that um, the love was, was a constant. Well, I had a strict father. Can you imagine raising twin boys with all kind of energy? Oh, I'm kidding my dad sometimes as I think back his best, but he loved us, even being strict. My wife also came from a very loving home. And so as we got married, we just thought everybody lived like we did. It wasn't long when we realized there's a lot of homes where love is not there, or it's in a very limited way. There are differences in homes, depending on how many people live there. Um, but it's so important, how do we handle these differences? It can either be done in a positive way or a negative way. But by all means, sit down, talk things out. Always keep centered on the issue instead of each other. As you center on the issue, there will come a new understanding as you try to understand and see the other's point of view. Otherwise, you'll end up centering 
on each other, pointing out their weaknesses rather than the issue at hand. Remember, just because the other person's opinion differs from yours doesn't necessarily make them wrong. They may simply have a different viewpoint. You know, it's how we see things out of our eyes. And our past greatly uh, affects that. Always try to understand all sides of the discussion. Everyone deserves a voice. I remember uh, in my ministry over the years, it's one thing I've always encouraged church for. I want to hear everyone's opinion. And you know, there's always going to be one or so that's more domineering than the rest, and some that are more quiet than the rest. But I think everyone needs to share because their voice matters. Times a different opinion. This always, it always pays to sit down and listen. I mean, truly listen to what the others have to say. Never rule with an iron hand, forcing others to obey without question. Because that, friends, is the opposite of what love is. True love develops a capacity to understand each other. But moving on, the ultimate. Uh, ism of love. There in verse 7 he says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love not only adjusts to all things and tries to understand all things, but Paul is saying here, it hopes all things. He's optimistic here. Uh, not, I'm not talking about optimism that a salesman sometimes will present what they're talking. I'm not talking about pretending that things are better than what they really are. Talking about a spontaneous optimism that comes deep within a person. To kind of make people feel that the world is a wonderful place to live. Being in love with life, people, and everything, seeing a positive attitude. You know, I've been hearing this more and more that those that are suffering with cancer, if they maintain a positive attitude, that's really in their favor. Looking at things in a positive light. So when we're adjusting properly with ourselves and with the Lord, I believe He puts that optimism deep within us. Wouldn't our world be a better place if more people felt like Newly, did you ever meet a newly married couple that are deeply in love and, and, and they're just full of optimism? They think they're always going to have money to pay the bills, nothing can dampen their spirits. They're in love. And you were there one time. I hope you're still there. But they believe they can handle all their problems, anything that comes their way. Then they wonder why do other people have so many struggles and problems as they look around. The fact is, if they could keep this unbeatable optimism, they would probably master most everything that came their way, of course, with the Lord's help. But we know that life does have its bends in the road, its bumps that you travel over. Many times we're tempted in those times when things aren't going well to give up. And give in with the mundane of living. And then that spark begins to leave our relationship. Well, I'm old enough to know that every one of us are going to go through those hard times. But I also know that God is there with us. He doesn't leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. 
And he's there in the good and also in the bad. We need to remember his blessings and the joy that he gives. So yes, tragedy will come to all of us, but remember, you don't face them alone. I've, I've found a way in my life that I've experienced it during those hard times is often when Jesus is the closest and the nearest to you. And there's where we grow and mature as we lean on the Lord for his wisdom and strength. Someone said it this way, we may spend more time in the valley, but our home address is still on the mountaintop. I like that. I like that. Fourthly, love keeps one going. Paul says there finally in verse 7, love endures all things. Yes, we've known those who were madly in love with someone and soon was over. What happened? You know, there's a big difference between true love and infatuation. Infatuation is generally based on one or two things about the other person and it's short-lived. But true love, on the other hand, is based on the acceptance of that total person. Total person. Now, my wife loves me dearly. And when we were first married, I was probably the smartest and best-looking guy on the planet. Now, things change, right? You know, I'm not quite the good-looking guy I wasn't anymore, but she accepts me totally. What are you grinning about? I hope you're all feeling that way about your husband and wife. You know, you're not going to be teenagers forever. I better move on. I'm sorry. But true love is based on the acceptance, as I said, of the total person. Factuation is almost always based on a physical appearance uh, or attraction. Sometimes it's called love at first sight. But true love is centered upon something more of a spiritual quality. It'd be called, it could be called some kind of a, a chemistry of the soul between two people. A deep abiding love does not suddenly happen or occur, or can it be stopped suddenly? Because love continues to grow regardless of attitudes of others and circumstances in the home. Love endures. It continues to express itself in a hundred ways every phase of life. I'm sure you've heard Bill Grather's song, The Longer I Serve Him, The Sweeter He Grows. I enjoy that song so much. But I think, yes, I know he's talking about our relationship with the Lord Jesus, but could we think about also our earthly relationship with our dear loved one, our companion? It, it just blesses my heart when I see these old white-haired people walking down the road holding hands. Recently, I was in a doctor's office, and I think they've probably been married at least 65 years, and they're just sat holding hands. Ken, it's good. It's good. I see you grinning. Try it sometime. <laughs> Touch is a way to communicate. It communicates love without saying any words. Oftentimes we're driving down the road and I'll just reach over and get my wife's hand and squeeze it and then keep driving. I didn't have to say anything to you about that. There's never been a morning 
these last 48 years that I woke up to feel my pulse and asked myself, I wonder if I feel like married to me today. Why? Because one major factor in our marriage and love has been a matter of commitment. Commitment. When a marriage has that in both individuals, it will Sadly, many young people today are just moving in together without a real commitment. And such arrangements often don't last long. They can, yes, they can get entangled, there can be a child, or they can even buy a home together, but there's no lasting commitment. This summer, I had the joy of being asked to marry a young man that I have known for a number of years. He was married 13 years, in fact. He had a baby girl, now she's a young teenager. And he called me, he said, Pastor John, the Lord's been convicting me. I think it's time I get we get married. I said, amen to that. So we had the joy of, of uh, bringing them together in marriage this summer. What a delight it was. Love has its moments of emotion, its intimate relationships, and those highs we all have experienced. But beyond all that is the enduring, true love based on commitment which sadly is lacking in many, many marriages today. You know, it's easy to look around and be drawn into lust for another person if you're not careful because we have an enemy of the devil trying his best to break up homes. The devil's deceiving people to think they have God's blessing to go in that new direction. Now, I understand and realize every situation is different. But I also have said this, and I'll say it again. The Word of God, the Bible, we better know what it says because it's going to be our job someday. And so read it, memorize it to know what's in there. A 17-year-old boy lived in a home that there was a lot of strife and little love. His brothers were jealous because he was the favorite. They didn't appreciate him and didn't show love to him. Eventually, they were going to kill him. Say an animal did it, but instead, at the last moment, sold him into slavery. Years later, as fate would have it, that family was destitute, struggling to survive in a time of famine. Food can only be found in the land of Egypt. Under the strangest of circumstances, their paths crossed. Life has its ironies at last. Yes, you know the story of Joseph and his brothers. Joseph recognized them the moment he saw them. Even after all those years had passed and hardship that he had gone through, eventually all of his house of this household had to move to Egypt. And they, they became reconciled. And yet all the while their brothers were afraid that eventually he'd get even with them for what they did. They knew how mean and ugly they had treated their brothers. When well, years passed, finally their father died. And they thought, oh, now he's going to act in revenge against us. They knew that he wouldn't do it while dad was alive, but now the father was gone. However, we know from the scriptures that Joseph did not take revenge, but instead gave them full and true forgiveness. He chose to do what is right. Say that with me. He chose to do what is right. That's the dream, the choice we have. What we're going to do in life. 
So Joseph told his brothers those beautiful words. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. The things we go through at times, it could be meant for evil against us, but let's allow God to bring good out of it. Amen? Where love is, it adapts and understands. And so, friends, every one of us, yes, we're going to face hardships. We're going to face those hard circumstances. But we can face them having a strong faith and commitment and trust in God. More the so than in man. Can we say with Joseph, what is at times meant for evil that God can bring good out of it? Yes, amen, we can. Friends, if we believe that with all our hearts, he will make us an easier person to live with. I believe that. Now, I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife. She can certainly tell you that. But God has given us a lot that we can live together. And those little rough edges he can smooth out. Oh, may Jesus fill our homes with his love. Amen? Fill us with our love just as the first days that we've met one another. So then we can move out into a hurting society and we can help others in their needs, sharing the good news of what God wants to do for them. God bless you today. I, I just pray God's love in your families <clears throat> in a new way that you sit back and be amazed. You know, I, I talk with those that their companion is out of glory. Oh, yes, they miss them. But they still have a love there. They still have those wonderful words to say and cherish the memories that they have together. So now is the time to make memories, folks. And God bless you. Thank you.